I'm always in the island, fudging lucky no to trust. But now I chill at home. All I do is write rhymes, eat, drink, shit, don't find my children. Rust. But now I chill at home. All I do is write rust. But now I chill at home. All I do is write All right, so thanks once again for tuning in for another episode of the main podcast. I'm joined normally by or my myself, Headstash207, and my co-companion, Carrie, Kayland. How, how you doing? And we're joined by our guest today, Bobby from Hive. Bobby, how are you? Hey, good guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming in. <laughs> that's and it. that's We're it. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I thought how you guys dropped you know, it with like this. We're in a very lucky parts. moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we are. That's what I mean. Like, you got to live it because in 10 years, you might not have the chance. You know, whatever. It may be such a different landscape. I don't know what it... Yeah, yeah, that seems like way too far in the distance now, Mm -hmm. doesn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, the adaptability, it's a little bit different because now you do have to invest in a store where it was maybe a, a grow or whatever your undertaking was. If you were into BHO, you were, mm-hmm. if you were combining those worlds, but now it, <clears throat> I think being fluid and being adaptable before has helped a little bit for a transition for a lot of people in the cannabis industry. There's always been a great unknown about what's going to happen next oh, or where sure. this goes the next time through. Yeah. That's the biggest <laughs> thing. The uncertainty if- for sure, that's been the hardest part about it. It's just not having that guarantee, so to speak. Not that any like industry does, but sure, ours. It was shit. It wasn't even. It was not really legal, you know. And I mean, yeah. so yeah, the uncertainty that definitely kept me up a few nights, to say the least. Probably as. Mm, are you comfortable? Do you like running a business? in this sense? Is it one of those things you found pretty from your past experience and, 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 and undertakings? Did it kind of transition well? Um, or what prepared you best for this moment or most? It, it was like, I thought I was running a business. I really did. I thought I was running a business for a long time, like throughout, you know, my time as a caregiver, you know, from 2009 to, you know, let's just say 2016 or so, I thought I was running a business, you know, and then as especially this came on, you know, but when they started after the recreational thing passed, they really started kind of like, oh, we need to fix the medical program. We need to fix it. You know, they Mm -hmm. just kept pushing on it. So, uh, you know, as I had to get, you know, not had to, but needed to get, you know, an employee and, and things like that within that business, and now, especially with the store and a large grow and going on a second store, like now I'm running a business. Mm-hmm. Like, and that shit is not easy. <laughs> like, and that's for real. Like, I'm, you know, high school educated. I have done plenty of college credits, mostly in TV production. But, like, I am not an educated person as far as, like, business management, hospitality, anything like that. So this shit's hard, and that's mm-hmm. 100% real. It's not easy if you don't have... I you mean, got to be able to ask the right questions, right? you got to be able to have a... Yeah. Have you had anybody you've been able to bounce off on that? Has a, a, for, uh, yeah. I mean, Because yeah. i got a feeling a lot of 
people are, this is a new undertaking and without somebody in the business world, somebody to either talk to or refer or, or hire. Yeah, um, that's like, that is the hardest part because as far as mentors, not really no. specifically. I definitely take everything. You've just thrown yourself into it. <laughs> yeah, because I was definitely confident for a while that I knew what I was doing. You know, I had that false sense of security because being a caregiver with five patients and reporting, you know, whatever, a couple thousand dollars in sales tax, like that was that was what I thought. No, that yep. ain't it. The, doing what I'm doing now, that shit is not like the hardest in the world, but it's a learning curve, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not easy to balance and juggle it all. And I probably do need to bring on some more people to assist with parts of that to make it easier, you know, but you still want to be able to run efficiently enough to, um, yeah. yeah, you take those steps as you need to probably with two stories. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that might be the right time to, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's the whole thing with the second store. It has a whole bottom, uh, level that, in the Waterville area. Yeah. Yeah. Waterville, but it has space for administrative and graphic design and, you know, different, you know, parts of a company to actually exist. Um, oh, so you found some good, <clears throat> a good spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Multi-purpose, multi-functional. Yeah. And we purchased it, and that was like a huge step for us, also, because we're we're not renting, you know, anymore. You know, the Chelsea store we rent that retail yeah. space. Yeah. The Waterville store is ours as a company. We're able to purchase it, you know, through bus and ass and serving our patients. You know, right. so that was like a big thing and moving forward that's a huge motivator for us is that we're really creating something now you know with assets and and like an actual it's a real thing you know so that that will be time to start bringing on some people to make my job morph into something a little different and not so much of the whole thing you know in that aspect but I don't got to do too much um, overseeing of Aaron at the Grow. He he is dedicated. You know, yeah. you find those people that are truly dedicated to the cause. And, like, I don't worry about Aaron. You know, I don't worry about the Grow, as weird as that sounds. Like, I know for a fact that that dude has it. Yeah. Like, I know it. And I know that if there's a problem, he's going to handle it. And it's not going to be a text or a phone call, you know. It might be just to make me aware, mm -hmm. but it's not a, can you go do that? It's a, I did this to fix it or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So that makes it easier. hundred percent. Yeah. When they have that talent. Yeah. I <laughs> but like I showed him the dream I showed him and like, I've consistently produced on everything that I said I was going to do, not without hiccups. Don't get me wrong. I'm mm -hmm. far from perfect, but in the sense of, I never quit on like a benchmark goal that I had in my head. Right. I always just kept getting it even if even if I had a seedy crop or even if I had a shitty, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That well, shit and sucks, those things but, happen. But, those things are a part of what happens whenever you're going to cultivate. Yeah. It's keeping sure. it as much to a minimum as possible when it does, you know, that's that's your greatest hope. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, keep that. Do you guys I know you want to go in a different direction, Evan, mm -hmm. but it, 
Uh, genetics. Do you guys get to talk about genetic selections? Is that something you participate in both, uh, you and Aaron? Yeah, yeah. We both. Because I got to assume you really like looking yourself. Yeah, we each um, we each have our own hunting setups, um, you know, where we separately hunt strains and then narrow it down to cultivars. But it's not it's not easy finding those ones, oh, you know, no. like and if you you know, in our situations, we can pop you know 30 or 40 seeds we can't pop 200 so and it's hard to pop the one strain at a time because you know <laughs> you want to you know so yeah. it's yeah so it doesn't always yield us the best results in the form of something that's going to be our keeper you uh -huh. know and so sometimes we waste a little time and we don't we aren't able to get that new strain out there but we got some we got some dope ones in the in the I would tent say right the now. Deadhead OG has been a signature one for a while. Yeah. Am I am I mistaken or do your patients feel that way? The ones who are pretty much on the regular people who have come up? Yeah, that's definitely uh, you know, a patient favorite. Um I got that one um in twenty fourteen at the Denver Cannabis Cup. Yeah, um Cali connection, this dude named Swerve. He just threw me like six packs of seeds, yep. you know, and I was like, I was like, oh shit, all right, you know, like I wasn't, I hadn't ever heard of him to be honest. Like I figured it was some lame Cali like company, you know, Cali Connection. I'm like, whatever, you know. <laughs> and so I took him and um, up in Maine, you know, growing up, I always heard about uh, the Grateful Dead and people calling at deadheads you know like that was like so deadhead og to me was like this one's gonna like I've people will like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like it yeah they're gonna like it relatability uh, i got man i had when i had to hunt that in room um you know back in uh that was like late 2014 i had to hunt it in the room so you know i had to put in these 10 different phenos and two of them were like the biggest trash I've ever I ever got out of a seed I was like you know it's probably my growing style back then but regardless two of them were so horrible and I had to narrow them down <laughs> in room run them again narrow it down to the final one but in my rotation not like in a small tent just like you know ripping and flipping like I had to actually I had to do it and then try to sell the weed and of the pheno, you know, and so yeah, that can be a little difficult sometimes. Yeah, but I got it, you know, and it was it was good, and we got that pheno. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the the deadhead definitely is is a favorite um, for sure. Uh, and then our clementine is is one that um, yeah, a lot I've of seen patients that mentioned. Love. I've heard that mentioned quite a bit. Yep, um, and see all of these like. I, Good I didn't take cuts from anybody. I got cuts one time after I was in the newspaper. This guy named Res Dog out in California was here visiting his... I've heard about him, I feel like. Yeah, he, well, yeah, long story short, he supposedly, I have no clue, he supposedly ratted on somebody over there and got him arrested. And then right now he lives in Maine. And he he was a super big breeder, especially during the traditional market days, you know, underground. And so it was just, he saw, he was here visiting his cousin because he had family here. He saw my newspaper article and he had his cousin track me down. His cousin's name is Mark. Had, had me track me down and I met him at Rustlers in Wyndham. And he gave me cuts of SFVOG that were overnighted from Res Dog 
uh, in Cali and told me to keep doing what I'm doing for the veterans and gave me those and a bunch of seeds, like super silver haze and like a bunch of stuff. And, but he gave me the breeder's cut of the SFVOG oh, and that, nice. yeah, that strain definitely locally where I was a caregiver made me like that guy that, that had that OG. One for yeah, you. yeah, everybody. Yeah. I know the dudes listening to this are gonna be like, "Yeah, that SFV was, bu-, you know, because it was." And that shit was fire. Yeah, but get all stoked about it for sure. Yeah, why yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah, when you nail one like that. Yeah, and so that that was a really cool time, you know, having a reward in that form sent from a guy from California that didn't owe me shit, and so. That's the only time I ever took clones. Otherwise, I've gone personally and gotten my seeds from the breeder. You know, the Clementine uh, I got right from Crockett, you know, at the Cannabis Cup. You know, I I go and get that shit, you know, because I know for sure, and especially the way I started, you couldn't get it in the mail. You could order them, you know, on the seed bank from Europe, but that shit was either going to get there and not be what you ordered or never get there. So I always Seized just by went customs. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. So I always just went there, you know, and got it, um, which always kind of gave me decent, decent product. Mm-hmm. I wanted to um, to talk about the store a little bit. You know, we talked about the second store, but can we just talk about what went into, and it kind of ties into the growing because you guys have a display grow, but there was a lot of thought that went into it. It's a well put together. It's like, you know, it seems like a piece of art in its own. So if you want to just give us a little bit of background of how you came about it and how you really ended up creating the store, which shares with a glass gallery and just shop chronic shop also, and you guys have the interactive display and everything. So yeah, feel free to go at it. Um, so hive is a four letter word and, Hive, the hive is where people gather. So um, I did like a ton, obviously in Amsterdam, but then, you know, I went to Colorado, I went to Vegas, I went to Cali, I went everywhere doing my research, so to speak, and having great experiences, don't get me wrong, but Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) for sure. But, and so I did those things to figure out what did people like, you know, like in the cannabis community overall, we didn't, we only had lame medical dispensaries ran by people who don't give a shit here in Maine, besides Canuvo, <laughs> like they're straight, but don't get me wrong, but you know, you know who I'm talking about. And yeah. so I didn't, I needed to go see what other people like, cause I knew Maine people would like that shit too, because Maine people are just as dope as anybody else in any other state. And so though we went and we we just explored and in vegas um there's a spot called reef and at that time um burner who through like the taylor gang and stuff i have a relationship with him from that he was in there and so he recommended and then hooked me up with like a tour to go to reef and so when i went to reef what i noticed was a you know it was a four-letter word and B, it was a place where people gathered, you know, not people, but fish, mm-hmm. you know. And so that right there, like, hit me, like, that's like a sense of community in itself, you know. And so uh, I had to think up of a name that represented the same thing, you know. And with bees obviously being critical to life, period, you know, it just made sense. People 
and bees same share the same thing in the sense of they you know do. we're critical you know like so uh that's where hive itself was born and the successes um, come through the community of bees right. yeah, as yeah. much as it would the community of people Ab- absolutely and we gotta we can make some gold together right we got in you know? hive we want to be that place where our community the community of Kennebec County now with Waterville joining in is we want to be that place that you can count on for consistent quality honey, you know, and, and we also got extra support for you in different ways that you may not even realize we're doing until after you leave, you know what I mean? Just from the whole interaction of being positive from the minute you walk through that door and making sure that we're catering to you and not to our own personal needs, whether it's checking our phone or you know, just looking off, you know, just making sure that Hive, that's the best part of your day is like huge for us. It's just as big as making sure that that flower is quality, is making sure that that experience is quality. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's in that sense. There were, when I went up uh, most recently, it was uh, extremely inviting. The people were just, um, they, it, it was not. It was a not too much, but just right. Customer enough. service you know is everything. I mean? We've, I mean, like, we've you know, always felt that it's, customer service is big. If you can combine quality and customer service, I mean, like, there's, it shouldn't be a reason why you're not succeeding at that point, too. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so when it comes to the whole design and layout, um, Shop Chronic was always like, that's, I've been doing that, you know, since 2009. Shop Chronic was the Canna Chronicles web store. So when I had that blog, Shop Chronic was, you know, just our web store. And so we started um, printing all of the, uh, you know, sports-themed weed teas. Mm-hmm. Like, I sold tens of thousands of sport-themed weed teas, you know, <laughs> that I got cease and desist from Dunkin' Donuts, NBA, NFL, NHL. I got, yeah. like, I have them, I have them all, you know, That's- and... Unbelievable. Yeah, and so it was. That was that like Gorilla Street thing, like funding, and you know that it was also luckily promoted by the Taylor Gang and Wiz, and yeah. they wore the stuff in music videos. That's and, awesome. You know That's all awesome. of that. You know, so that helped propel it. So um, at the point of opening a store, I knew Shop Chronic. I always wanted it to be a real thing, a head shop. Um, right. And so that's where that side of the store kind of comes from, and. When you look over there, you'll see all of the tiles of pictures of the experiences from 2009 to 2020, whether it's, you know, smoking in Amsterdam with Wiz or whether it's selling a shirt to this mother daughter that you never would have expected, you know, and just things like that uh, from over the years. You um, do some nice little touches as well. Lately, you've worked um, like I think I've seen it on your jar work where Hallie as artist created some images. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. put them on the labels and you've incorporated it in there. And it kind of, uh, I want to say you've had a couple different uh, explorations with it. Yeah, with we try to do one every month. We're doing a new jar label uh, that just represents something for that month. Of course, this month is Christmas. Mm-hmm. Last month was uh, veterans, you know, yep. and our little mascot bee every time uh, is on the jar theme for that month. You know, um, October was harvest month. So, yeah, we try to keep everything fresh, you know, and try to, you know, whether it's changing pictures on the wall, we just added a claw machine and a vending machine and a penny press and just things to make your experience overall more rewarding. So you're not just coming, getting your weed, 
going home, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Hang out for a little bit. It's yeah. cool. We want you to. Yeah. Which I think it would be cool, too, if the next movement was for, like, social clubs and stuff like that. Because it, I think that would set Maine apart, too. And it is something that should happen. Obviously, it's not a discussion that I think should happen during coronavirus because probably won't end anywhere. It's just not worth it right then. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, at some point, this, there should be that same availability that they have in Amsterdam. You know, that, yeah. I think that would create a cool cannabis tourism scene. Do you think we're a long ways off from that? And you think that's something you'd like to explore? It seems like it would mesh really well for what, what you could incorporate into Hive if that time, if and when that time comes. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, originally the social club was a big part of the idea because I became close friends with a guy that owns a coffee shop over there called Easy Times. And, like, this guy was awesome, but he had everything on point inside that spot from the quality to the vibe to the experience, like, I would spend eight hours in there and, like, not realize it, you know what I mean? And it had that casino effect, you know? And so I wanted to recreate that here, and that was, like, kind of my initial inspiration to, mm -hmm. like, make sure I had that vibe and that that type thing. And they're interactive. It's interactive in a sense, too. Not a, That's excluding the people who work there. I mean, if you have a chance, you go through it and it, and it feels, and it, it does give you this whole immersion into not only a cultivation space, but, but this really, this community, this really cool vibe that's to it, that's always been associated with it. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a great connection. Yeah, that you, was important. You got a lot more people in the door this year, or did you have to do curbside? Uh, so yeah, we, we did both. Yep. If you're not feeling it, hit us up, you know, we got the weed maps order. You can order it. We'll bring it out to you, but we never stopped taking patience because that's like, I know the experience is part of what makes them feel good. Right. So like, just like cutting them off from that, I was willing to take a little bit of risk. I took the precautions. Don't get me wrong. As yeah, soon yeah. as I needed to all the spacing, all the, you know, spit guards we could do. But, like, I couldn't strip that from them because just the mindset of that patient, who knows what we're really taking away. And right. So, no, we just kept doing it. When nobody got sick, everybody was happy. We served an insane amount of people. Like I was going to say, you got a lot, new, a lot of new eyes, too. The market, that, the market share that we grabbed on other people shut their doors to the patients was insane and i'm not saying that in any sort of negative way to a store you have no, to sure. do what you have to do to keep people safe and if that was what you believed you needed to do then that's what you needed to do yeah but we didn't and it was crazy how many new people came to hive from march to august like yeah it it was first insane. timers and, first and then timers. becoming oh, yeah. well, a little bit more repeat oh yeah because of it yeah, yeah. like so that's a great sensation. That's a good, or that's going to be a great feeling to know that you achieved. Like, holy, look at these people now, and 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 fortunate or unfortunate, it's still it. Sometimes we need that push when we know we believe in something, and, and we know that if people just give it a chance, they're going to enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, and on, on all levels, product wise and experience wise. And there was there was don't get me wrong, there was definitely days where we were discouraged, you know, when we opened, like, of course, when you opened, oh, sure. but you know, there was $200 days, like 
there were not a ton of them, but it was two hundred dollar days. Enough that of them that yeah, you I felt was like, like you were oh, is this not gonna work? Like, is this oh no, you know, and that type of thing. But no, that's the thing is I'm never. I remember our it. first thousand dollar day. You know, that's and, like and, huge. And you know what I mean. And you're thinking of it in those terms. It's just it's come a long ways, and I'm, and I think um, there the patients have been able to have a relationship with a lot of stores right now. That's key. And you've made the most of that. Yeah. No, we're cool. Like we're totally, if do your thing patient wise, do your thing. We know that we're going to do our thing to make you happy, but we also know just like anything else, you don't just, yeah, you got to spread it out. And we support other stores like shout out Sensamia, you know, love Sensamia, Mm -hmm. shout out highbrow shit. Like, those people are super supportive to us, and, and in turn, we support them by selling their products right across the river from them. But that's not competition. That's, like, community. And so the other stores the other stores are dope. We need the other stores. If we were the only store in town, that would suck <laughs> for everyone. Yeah, you know? I don't think anybody would want that, yeah. would we? No, so not. we don't either, you know. Um, but we do want everybody to bring the quality. So you have like your own hash lab too. It's top secret extracts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you guys have been doing that too for a little bit. That's pretty cool. I've been following mm-hmm. that guy. Yeah, that his name's Joey. He's uh, he's definitely a, a cool cat. Yeah, uh, he's got a lot, a lot of OG experience just from the you know the traditional market days. Did he? Um, has he always washed or was he pressing before? Was it just a different technique before? Yeah, so he he had been kind of perfecting his solventless game for sure um, when he came on, but even before that, you know, in in the traditional market BHO days, uh, you know, all that stuff, he was doing that throughout all of that. Like like yeah, a lot of the um, BHO you know, was bigger for quite a while in Maine up until maybe three years ago, right? Is yeah, it about really. three years ago or so? Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I think also, too, I, I still think BHO is huge. Obviously, you would probably be able to test it, Bobby, from a store perspective. And when we worked in the store, Shatter still blows everything out of the water. It's just the affordability of it. People can't afford yeah. hash rosin at the most, at a lot of the prices that it's at, which is kind of sad. Something I talk about all the time because I like smoking hash, and I hate the fact of the retail price on it a lot of times. But Yeah. Yeah, no, that's 100% accurate. My, you know, Shatter and my sugars, those are constantly, you know, turning over. But... Some of those high-end, uh, you know, top shelf, so to speak, rosins, they, they can be there for a little bit, you know, just because, especially recently, you know, with the income kind of starting to sh- having to stretch. Yeah. Yeah, you can see everybody needing that deal this week, you know, in that sense. So I think that attests to it. But you always got your heady boys that are going to come in and get that top shelf, all three of them, or whatever it may be. And, right. And, that's cool. We love those guys too. Yeah, I think when it first started, that's what I noticed too. Was a lot of hash smokers were the heady smokers. Yeah. And so we thought uh, it was a good pairing if you had flour. If they were coming in for flour, they were. You could tell who was going to go for some hash at the same time, or vice versa. If they're coming in for your hash, they're going to want to check out some of the flour that you've got. Yeah, Different absolutely. carriers, different things. 
<laughs> yeah, numbers this year were astronomical, were they not? Oh, absolutely. It's been such a roller coaster. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely, you know, we like, yeah, you know, it's crazy. We never would have imagined it. It's great. Um, no, I don't think so either. Maybe would we consider this a first full year or not? Of? Of, well, the kind of practices that you could have where you had trading partners or vendors that you worked with and vice versa. I think, yeah, I think we, because it was December 13th, uh, 2018 was mm. when that that all changed. So I think this is really almost the closing of the second year. Just a lot of people didn't jump on it that day one because it was still kind of like, oh, I don't know. Is this yeah, right. going to be cool? And then, you know, once a few of those guys opened and were successful, yeah, then the rest oh, of yeah. us just came through for sure. It did seem like it was a perfect storm where the cannabis industry was already set up to do really well. Like everyone was really starting to find out about it. And like COVID hit and the stimulus and the money that was available at the time, it, like, it was just like this fucking conglomeration of perfectness that just really boosted the sales, I think, of everyone. Because, it, like I said, everyone was starting to get, we, uh, there's an influx of med cards that were being being obtained. We saw that every single place that was having a med card event, for the most part, was filling out. So more people were getting a med card. There was more patients on the market at the same time where the patients now all of a sudden have more disposable income. It was like crazy. The sales were absolutely awesome. And I think it was great. And it helped propel a lot of these businesses recover some of the investment that they made because some businesses have made a great amount of investment as far as it. Wait, look at your store, for example. The You know, the presentation on that. There's been a lot of people like I, I look at like you guys. Yeah, we were talking about that before you came down about Hive. And like a grass monkey too is another one we talked about. Like people that there have been stores that have spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time and money on putting something together that's really special for the consumer. So it was good to see them have this time where even if it does die down a little bit, it allowed them to recover some of the stuff that they may have put in, if not more. So Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think a big part of what also contributed to this that some people may not think of is the fact of um you have Massachusetts people and, you know, New Hampshire people that were having to work in their towns. Now they can come to the lake house for the whole summer. Now they can, they can come up and work from home at, you know, at their Airbnb all summer. So, you know, there was a lot of that out of state influx that is still here in a sense, you know, the people that are still staying and just working from home or working from camp. Yep. Um, you know, that was a big thing that we saw. House sales sure. are up in Maine too. So there's right. all these out of state people that, are coming to Maine are now living here. Basically, like you're saying, yeah. you know, they, if they have a second home here, they've sold their first house out of state, and there's permanent residents in Maine. So, yeah, I think it's 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 a great time for Maine in general, as long as we can kind of open back up. Because I feel like there's there has it's known. I've read a lot of stuff on the Economist and on the housing market. There's a lot of people moving to this state. Yeah, it's desirable as shit to be here right now. Yeah, absolutely, and and so that that kind of gave our industry what it needed over yeah these past six to eight months. Like you said, whether it was to recoup money to invest further into the medical program, or if you're making the jump direct, it it definitely helped avoid borrowing money for some people, you know, in that yeah. sense or anything like that. So. Oh yeah, it was it was dope for sure. We're up like five hundred and eighty percent. Like yeah. we we're just like you know, what at one point we we're like, what do we do? Because we didn't we, you know, everybody's out of weed, and <laughs> and so were we, you know, and so it was definitely. I a laugh challenge. only because would we have all seen that? I I don't know. I thought we had the capabilities or capacity. I thought a lot of people had built up enough, uh, either expanding out grows or getting into it. Where I thought, wow, this. 
is a perfect storm and, and this is going to be great for store owners as well as it will be for anybody who wants to start making their name. You, yeah. you reached out quite a bit, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there, when any idea how yeah. many vendors you ended up having this year, right? <laughs> you talked about Funny. hundreds of percents higher Yeah, as far as like for volume. Just of store. For I'm volume. assuming you probably had double the vendors you typically did like even the year before. Yeah. And some, okay. some stuck, some didn't, um, you know, some came with amazing product worth the money and some wanted too much and we had to send them away, but absolutely we had to expand our team of vendors 100%. And it's cool because, you know, there's so many and a lot of them have been around for a long time. And so to finally get to connect with some of those guys and put their product out, help brand them, that whole thing. It's been a great experience for sure, because one big thing about this industry is relationships, you know, like obviously everybody knows you don't want to burn any bridges, yep. but all those bridges that you create is just one more way to cross the river. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like that also gave us the chance to expand that and, and really create a better team of vendors, which hell yeah, man. And other people did step up there growing. You know, yeah. there, there are guys that did, have this happen at the perfect time like you said it was their perfect storm where those rooms were just coming on anyways and hey they got it so yeah it was it was cool and it still is for sure and your connections have been something or uh, in your friendships have been something that is very prominent in your business model and it was something that i think started prior to when you're really in cannabis can you explain we see a lot your friends with a lot of people in the music industry that's yeah. a pretty well known can you talk a little bit about how that really came about? You know, where was Bobby in the music industry and how did that transition into the cannabis industry too? Yeah, so um, it kind of started, uh, you know, back in 2010, uh, I had a like sign and design company called Extreme Graphics and Apparel. Um, and Mike from Bud Deco, he worked with me in that and we were printing all of the then Shop Chronic Tees and whatnot. And, um, I had ended up meeting uh, one of Wiz's childhood friends and he found out that I printed shirts and Wiz needed all of the shirts for uh, the tour that year because at that point he was still super small, bootstrapping, you know, mm -hmm. just like a lot of us in the cannabis industry, just trying to make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had the ability to front him all of his shirts for his tour and then get paid back. And so that gesture, I think, that alone just got me in there. And then from then on out, you know, I traveled around with Wiz and the whole gang, two different shows to Europe, to Canada, you know, to all of that. And so my generosity at that point, not even knowing the guy kind of gave me a life pass, you know, yeah. with him. And mm -hmm. then from him meeting guys, like Snoop and Action yep. Bronson. I was going to say, yeah, I saw that on your Instagram too. That was really yeah, cool. just, you know, a lot of different guys, Young Jeezy, you know, Swale, like guys that, you know, you can just learn from just from the presence. So, um, you know, that was definitely cool. Uh, one, I guess, a little story. Um, today is Action's birthday. Um, six years ago on his birthday today, uh, he was in Portland. And um, so his manager called me because they were close with Wiz and they knew I had a guy up here because I've always supplied everything for the New England leg of the tour because I can drive it there, you yeah. know? So basically they called me because they needed weed. And so I went down and we had one of those uh, puck rigs and Action wanted to dab. And 
I had a ceramic nail on there and he had never hit a ceramic nail before he, he had been hitting the titanium. And so he heated up for him and I told him, I said, I was like, bro, this is going to hold heat for longer, so don't just jump right into it. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he waited like long enough for me to look away and I looked back and he had it and he hit the hottest dab off this thing, just like it was gone instantly and he let it out. He coughing, choking, and he's like, man, what the fuck, you know? And I was like, dude, I told you, I don't, I, dude. And within literally two minutes, he hit that phase of when you get way too high uh-huh. and you're uncomfortable as fuck and you just got to leave and walk away and not say shit. And so, yeah, that was cool on his birthday right before he went on. You know, we got him way too fucked Right up. before he went on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he no. had to walk away so he could regroup or whatever, but oh, he yeah, slayed sure. it anyways. You know, yeah. he it's he's like a whole different animal when it comes to that type of stuff. So I don't think it really phased him. He just had to kind of, you know, collect his, oh, his thoughts. Thousand degree also- hits. Oh, We've yeah. been hearing a little bit more of that. Stoners are me, my boy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Stoners? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a good dude. He's he, done a good job of uh, going around the stores. I thought he represented, like, places he's gone and brands he's visited. And he's visited quite a few. Yeah, he's made. Sure. He's been a good friend to a lot of people. Yeah, no, he definitely, he reps with no bias, I think. You know, he... Mm-hmm. He just loves it, and and especially now that he's doing his thing, you know, with the embryo thing, and we get to see him a lot more often. He delivers yep. all of our drinks, and, you know, we make sure we show him some love then. But, yeah, he's a cool guy. No, he has been. I think he's been good for the community, uh, cannabis community, and the outreach and just information. But, uh, yeah, we've always remarked that, man, those are hot shots he's doing. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, sure. he drops some hot. I mean, he owns it, too. It's not, He's not like the type of dude that's out there being like, no, dude, that's how you dab. Like, he's like, nah, I rip it hot as shit. Like, you know, so I feel yeah. like there's a difference too with that. But is there a, um, do you have a preference? Do you smoke flour or extracts or it's just kind of what you're in the mood for? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a mood thing. Um, I mean, I try, I try to reduce my consumption unless I'm in pain to like after I get my shit done, you yeah, know, right. um, you know, in places like, um, where I can't be smoking flour, I gotta I gotta be dabbing. But mm-hmm. yeah, right. I think the overall experience of smoking a joint, like I enjoy that, you know, as opposed to just the dab, boom, you're done. And you enjoy the combination too, because right. there's a and we. I, I, it was my fault for not bringing it up, but I wanted to touch upon another relationship that you've had for a long time, which goes upon the smoking method yeah. and the conjunction of the two, which is Ricky Roller. Oh yeah, Hell you yeah. know, there's been a long relationship, so I didn't want to downplay the whole relationship aspect. So if we could just talk a little bit about that too before we move on, that was my fault for not mentioning it. But. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, Rick's the man, like, Rick has came so far, I met Rick, um, I met Rick in 2000, late 2013, um, he was dating this chick that, um, was gonna blow some glass for us or whatever, and, um, you know, Rick kind of just came along with her, and I started noticing him, he, when he dabbed, it wasn't like this little thing on the dabber, it was like a whole, it was like a whole gumball he was throwing in there, yeah. And, and, you know, the the relationship kind of developed as uh, she kept coming and he kept coming. And then they broke up and he kept coming, you know. But we would always kind of make it a thing to do something extreme when we were together. Um, <laughs> there are some YouTube videos that we kind of hid for a while and whatnot of just, uh, you know, one time we smoked out of 300 grand worth of glass all in on one table. You know, oh, wow. we we did a little uh, competition with ourselves uh, called 
seven minutes of hell where for seven minutes straight we had to be smoking something <laughs> we we smoked out my uh my truck in a car wash to the point where we couldn't see each other you know just and it was in that 2014 time when things were so like in between it was like a really dope time because we could have a blast rolling up these cannons he kind of developed his what's now a rick roller you know at our parties like just rolling up slabs that i had you know mixing weed yeah. had doing it for some of his other buddies so um you know throughout like from then on you know i've always tried to support him and then once we could do this legal thing it was super important for me to incorporate him because i know that rick rollers the the product are awesome and i knew that he would develop them to the point that they're actually a viable consistent product which he has now mm -hmm. so making sure that he came along on my journey was important to me because i know where his heart is at which is in it you know yeah. you can tell the guy's getting up before most growers rolling joints like he's taking the shit serious as hell and he he really bangs it out and oh, very serious that is yeah for sure. i'm pumped to done see a really good job of being so consistent to the point i mean we heard we heard remarked about all all Someone the time i'm sure you do too you were telling them obviously it's a hearsay thing but they were saying that if if it's like even slightly off he cuts it open starts over like you know it's like it has to be extra he's like a perfectionist in his craft because they were referencing about when he came and was doing roles at the shop and mm -hmm. how you were saying just how how perfect he really is or wants to be perfect with every single one and strives for that perfection yeah this is it for him this is like this is his, what he's got this right. is his life so mm -hmm. that's like that's where it has to be if that's where you want to get to in that sense i remember sure. him meeting him uh it must have been spring of last year yeah, when we hit him up, uh, we got some done when we were at Cincinnati. Yes, yep. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, so I went down and dropped and it off to him, and, and it was really cool because he said, "Well, I'm back in the game like this. This is what it, you know. This is what I'm gonna do." And he said, "I used to do this a few years back," and I'm I'm sure it, he meant like in a sense where it was it was, um, you have a talent like that, it's very marketable. All of New England, and I'm sure outside of New England, there's large groups of people that now know of the Ricky Roller. Yeah, oh, for like, sure. That's that's great. That's like awesome. The, everyone, that's... They are expensive, like to it to an extent. But then you have to understand, like people buy, and this is what does irk me. Okay, it's not the cheapest thing to smoke. That's that's an obvious given. But if you look at it, there's like out of state brands or like shit from California that'll be egregiously priced. And people will just be like, be like, oh my God, that's so cool. You know, it's like, because it's from California. Most sites feel shit weed, shit product. It just has some hyped up, you know, packaging on it. And, and it's less, it's less product too. Like these Canagars, you know, some of them like a couple hundred bucks. It's like, I'd love to smoke those things. It's like, well, you have an option to do it right here the local. So I think it's easy to overlook like the hypeness or how cool a product is when it's right in your hometown. You get such good quality. But I, you know, I get you a couple of years, the same allure is going to be what we consider Canagars and all that stuff on the West Coast will be the Rick Rollers to them out there. You know? Yeah, I'm it's thinking, just how I'm it thinking so, it's going to translate. It is. It's better quality. And the flower in it in Maine is always, in my opinion, going to be better than what you're getting out West. He definitely, he, he was the, the shatter rap originator though, mm -hmm. for sure. And he used to have almost a hundred thousand followers like back in 2014. So oh, people wow. know, like people, like if you were in the scene at that point, you know probably about Rick Roller or have seen one of his pictures because some of the biggest accounts like High Times, you know, at the time and all of that were reposting his shatter wraps because Canna Claus. 
Uh, it got it got deleted twice. He uh. he was at a hundred, got deleted. He went back to like thirty or forty, like almost instantly, and then it got deleted again. And it had to be like underscore I am or no underscore Rick underscore Roller, you know all that yeah. stuff. Um, but Canna Claus would give him like his super purple weed. And then his super green weed. So, like, one of the most famous pictures is, like, I've half seen, and half on a slab that. on a paper. Like, just like, the, oh, it, it was sick. And, and so I think he took that and kept it even though it got taken away from him. <laughs> and, and that's, like, what it is now, you know. Yeah. You're talking about a pretty big scene. You're talking about a lot of people. Where, where's, are you originally from Maine? Is yeah. Ricky originally from Maine? Uh, no, Ricky's no. from New Mexico. No. Oh, from New Mexico? There. Yeah. Did he go out to California before? No, he he did it just here. Like, just doing... But when we say scene, we're talk, I'm sure. talking IG yep. and, like, everything that was happening. Because at the same time, the cannabis cups were all around the U.S. Yep. And so there was, like, a pretty kind of starting that homegrown scene before it all of the states you were traveling back. those weren't you yeah yeah while? yeah yeah i yeah i've been to eight uh cannabis cups i've been to six in amsterdam um you know that was a huge part of it's pretty fucking dope yeah my thing <laughs> that is i don't yeah. want anyone to score that why why, why was it important is that what you wanted to do is that what, where your head was at at the time you were just like these cups there's so much out there well, because were, of it. Were you slinging merch too, I would assume, at the cops? And Well, so at the beginning, what it was is I used to have a blog called The Canna Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, back in 2010, 2009, 2011, these, like, uh, European growers, which, you know, all of those breeders and growers were, like, way ahead of us back then, you know, yeah. uh, whether it was Big Buddha Seeds or DNA Genetics was out there, all of these type of things. So... In my eyes, of course, the Cannabis Cup was like the epitome of the cannabis industry back then. And I needed seeds, yep. you know, to grow. And I definitely couldn't get any around here then. No. And so I knew I could get them in Amsterdam. So the first few times were to keep getting genetics and interview people from my blog, like DNA Genetics or Spliff Seeds or Karma Genetics or, you know, all these people I interviewed because I was this u.s american guy you know and to them that was a whole new market that i was going to connect them to you know even though my site my blog wasn't even that big but to them it's a connection you know so they all took me in so all of my genetics at the beginning were kickdowns and free things for from them because they were hoping i would be able to expose them to what they knew was going to be big over here how the how the idea of the blog come about for you why why did you think of doing that because I knew I wanted a way to Access? kind of, well, and to project information to people I knew were going to need it. And blogs are kind of the shit in that, in that in time them, period. Like yeah, that yeah. was like the hype thing to do or like not the hype oh, thing, sure. but that was the way it's, of sharing information. It was, that was yeah, yeah, I think it was the, yeah, it was like the YouTube, Facebook, everything. It was like the Reddit, you know, that's where everyone went. It was just like people had blogs back in the day. It used to be yeah. really popular. And people used to make a good amount of money and you could garner 500 to a thousand views on each blog pretty quickly, you know, so it was the thing that I think was a lot of people are getting into So I can see where someone would want to create a cannabis blog yeah. at that time yeah. It was an uber popular thing. nobody had been doing that one, right? No. No. That's where you grabbed it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The Canon Chronicles and so what would happen is I would go to the cannabis cup and me and my wife and I we would go to the cannabis cup We'd observe everything we do our interviews We go back to the hotel in Amsterdam that night write our articles publish them immediately We literally had the first U.S. like kind of 
news on the Kansas you were reporters. You were yeah, like, yeah. You, no, it was not no magazine shit, and it's no hate to anyone that has a magazine, <sighs> High Times, or anyone in between. But it was that was some real ground level reporting, as in like you know some MSNBC type shit or Fox News, you know, right on the ground reporting what was happening, which is cool for people because there's not a lot of people could go there. To yeah, and so you can happening. imagine we felt, yeah, we felt that way, you know, like yeah. that was that was huge to us. So early in our careers in this industry, to be taken in by some of these guys, experience the cannabis cups, experience getting raided by the Dutch police, shaken down and seeing Mila, the hash queen, arrested right in front of us, and then going outside <laughs> and typing it on the bench outside of the, uh, the venue, typing up the article about the Dutch police doing this and being the first to put it out there, and then having High Times share our article of the raid because oh, they had no info, yeah, you know, right. like right. because it was going you on were with so them there in the moment. Yes, exactly. So that was, you know, pretty big for us. That was the place to be, wasn't it? Amsterdam yeah. for quite a while. Did you live there for a while? Or no, did, no? just every year Why we would go getting, back. So what was I knew a lot of, of the... Americans when I was there. A lot of Americans were hanging, and this was back in the well. This was more like uh, early two thousands. So, but I got to assume the same thing had been going on. Yeah. Um, so can you tell problem. me a little bit more though too? I want to know about Mila and like how the arrest happened and so what was it? Were they held in 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 jail or were they let back out? I mean, this was in the middle of the cannabis cop, right? Yeah. So they sh so it, it's all you know, quote unquote politics. Um, basically, there's different provinces within Amsterdam, and where High Times was holding it this year was a new venue in a new province. They didn't think to get a permit in that province. So what happens is they didn't get a permit, uh -huh. and then they're operating. The Dutch police and the Dutch, you know, parliament is cool with cannabis on a low-key type of thing. <laughs> yep. They're having a big event attracting all these Americans in a place they don't have a permit for it. And so they did the raid in order mm -hmm. to shake up high times like you're not coming to our country, <coughs> holding this little festival and not asking permission. Was so, it effective? Did um, it work, that shakedown? Sorry, I mean, I, it sorry, definitely I didn't mean to jump in there. Yeah, no, that. no. If yeah. you had seen, okay, so you weren't, you couldn't leave there with weed, right? So if you had seen this pile, I shit you not, a huge pile of all the little baggies from the coffee shops of like the Grams and the Eights and stuff, they shook everyone down. There's a pile of weed sitting there <laughs> like that. And it was crazy to see, and I'll never forget it. But I mean, I think it just kind of showed a statement. We are watching because they let them get the, um, you know, the permit that night and we could have it on Sunday. You know, this happened on Saturday. So <laughs> it, it was it was one of those, hey, don't fuck with a us. A little like, bit more theater. Yeah. 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 Like, um, yeah. But with Mila, so the thing was they couldn't conduct this and not have a reason, not have an outcome. You know, it can't be for the reason of Someone's got to get caught. You know? And so like she's something. the hash queen, you know, and she lived there. I've been to her home there. I've be also been into her shop there where she uh, created the pollinator, which used to be a really popular kind of washing machine for hash. And um, she, has a, she has a coffee shop? 
Uh, no, it was like a, it was a workshop mm-hmm. uh, where they built the pollinators by hand in Amsterdam, right down oh, there. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it what was, was it made out of? What would it have been? It was like, like uh, what almost material? like a, trom- a trommel type thing. Like a, ro- like a, a, dr- a drum. A, drum, a rolling mm-hmm. drum mm-hmm. that had two layers on the inside. So it caught it on the bottom layer in the water, and then the little grates in the barrel let it come out. Wow. It, it was, I mean, for cool. for that type of hash, then it, it was definitely pretty cool. Right. You know? Yeah, we've seen, I'm thinking um, of the closest comparison I could make would be what Best Friends Farms does with his hash and the presentations of the oh, hash. Oh, like more, more like a Frenchy a, cannoli type look. I mean, yeah, well, but is I, that considered that still? Or well, really I mean, I think there's been modernizations in like the technology in hash and there's been big arguments and we've even seen Someone like Jen Doe has made a leap to, towards more freeze dryers. And while she does like the old method and there's like, there's something tried and true about it. It's like, you know, I kind of think wine isn't made by people stomping on the grapes anymore, you know? So it's like, there is like every, every industry there should has, be some innovation. Is, has some like innovation and some technological advances that don't necessarily change like how or, or the end outcome other than just making it better without, you know, any additional, I guess, you know, like chemical compounds or something like that. Like, I guess you get questionable when you start talking CRC and there's, yeah, there's a science behind it, but I get where that can be questioned a little bit. It's hard to question just freezing and drying, you know, at that point. Right, removing moisture. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, yeah, so I I think there's just, there's a big step in a lot of it. And I'm pretty sure a lot of them do do it in some capacity, but I don't know, I think there's just been that heavy debate and I don't see the reason for it because I feel like, I think it's a traditionalist type. You started off with that type of hash. Do you have oh, yeah, a preference? Yeah. And, and those guys in Amsterdam, they don't smoke rosin. Right. They are two two days still smoking hash. Like I'm, I'm still in contact and in, in friends with these people, coffee yeah. shop owners and stuff that I met over there. We're all friends on Facebook, so they're still <laughs> posting. Yeah, yeah, it's it is. Is it? But they're they're still posting their bricks of Moroccan right. hash mm-hmm. that because that's how they came up. Of course, you know, over there you're going to find rosin in the coffee shops, but not that much of it. And mm-hmm. so me personally, it just depends on me. Of course, I would like rosin if I'm dabbing, but there's nothing better than a joint in Amsterdam with hash and, you know, flour in it. That's yeah. like that's like what we were doing. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it's like right. for me, you know, in that sense, it's it's like a it's definitely an enjoyable That's how thing. it's to be indulged in. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. They don't dab over there. Right. Yeah. Have you yeah. gotten a chance to um, enjoy like the Spanish cannabis culture? Uh, Mission Hill Melters on here was talking about it. Seemed fucking awesome. It, it sounded like Michelin, like Michelin yeah. star course meals with like dabs and hash and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God. And I, I ended up following some of the people that he followed that he told me to. And it is like they're having this crazy food and these chefs and like these underground clubs where all these people are dabbing and like, holy fuck, that's awesome. So, um, no, I haven't. I was supposed to go to Spanibus one year, um, and then some flight stuff got messed up, and I was going to get there at the end, so I just didn't go. But um, the closest to what you're talking about that I have experienced was in Amsterdam. Um, Wiz and I went to Greenhouse Coffee Shop with the Strain Hunter guys, and they have out back of the coffee shop, they have this big room with, like, these crazy European tables and seats and whatnot, and they have a kitchen there because it's a coffee shop, but they're kind of full service. And, man, they just brought out plates of weed, like, stacked up that with all of the accessories to roll it, mm-hmm. you know? 
brick of hash with this crazy knife to cut it. You it's know, like and chop it up. If- yeah, yeah. So and then all the food comes once you start smoking. And yeah, it was like oh, that. It was crazy. Way. I know. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, European, like great dishes, like being set in front of you by the guy that hunted like some of the best strength. <laughs> you know, it's just like in that point, oh, my wife and I are just sitting there like. Did you have to touch yourself every once in a while? I mean, at least you recognized and knew who these people yeah. being involved like you were. That must have been a trip. How, yeah, it was. It would, was that book, would you have been in your mid, late 20s? Yeah. He might have pinched right himself. I don't know if he was fucking touching God, himself. Which fun? <laughs> <laughs> fun was that? Yeah, no, and it was a blast and it was kind of like a trying to soak it in because mm-hmm. like I already had known at that point that nothing like that necessarily happens again, which it may be, it Being did, able but to recognize not like that. that. No, no, yeah. that's scale. I mean like, the, yeah. And I feel like it's uh first time you smoke weed, you know, like it's, it's like super, or first time you get high, it's like super intense, you know, like that's like the best time I feel like, you know, it's like one everyone references. It's like the first time you have like your really cool club experience. It never, and it, that's the same with that. No matter mm-hmm. what, if you replicate it to a T, it would never be as cool as the initial experience because that's the first time you've been able to compare it to like your expectations. Is that oh, it, right. and it most, and I would assume it's like one of those weird times where every expectation you had about it was fulfilled and exceeded, you know, which doesn't happen a lot with life. Like, you know, it never happens with trips. And I think, you were just, I think he just, was just living in the moment exactly, too, though, enough, extremely right? Extremely fully yeah. fulfilled. Yeah, yeah, like, no, right. That doesn't it was. come around. And you're right, though. It wasn't expected. Yeah, it wasn't anticipated. So therefore, it was one of those amazing times that you have to soak in or else you're going to kick yourself in the ass because you were whatever sort of distracted or not really analyzing the situation. So, no, that was dope. I had some some greats, like, in the room with me eating yep. and enjoying and, like, yeah. And I wish I could go back there because I would have maybe spoke up, you know, mm-hmm. and said some other things and, and let out some knowledge and, and kind of more put myself at that table. But when you are there for the first time, and don't know if you're ever going to come back. It's just like taking it all in. Yeah, you just can't even because you're so in the moment, you know? Mm. So, um, no, that was was definitely great. And, and yeah, like meeting Wiz and that whole gang definitely put me in some situations as well as some things I earned on my own. But, you know, definitely that helped, no doubt. Do you... uh I, I just I just wanted to ask a little bit more about the coffee shop scene because I see it on like Vice. I've seen it on like other shit. Can you just give us the lowdown of like what is an Amsterdam coffee shop actually like? Like uh, you talked about obviously which is more of like a high-end meal or something that I don't know if an everyday consumer would get. But if I was just walking down the street of Amsterdam, went into a random coffee shop, like what are you actually looking at? Like how does the whole process work? It's not much. Yeah, I mean, so it really depends, right? Like you have some that are like uh there's one called damp kring and that is a really popular one but that's kind of come in get your weed and go sit down in more table chair things like this and uh smoke it and then unless you're gonna buy some more or buy some drinks then go there are other ones that offer full service like um barney's uptown that you go in there man it's 
It's fucking awesome, dude. I miss Amsterdam so bad. <laughs> it's awesome. You sit down, dude. Order your bacon and eggs and whatever you want. You sit there. You light up. You do whatever you want. They bring it. They bring you fresh squeezed orange juice, dude. Oh, there no. is no like can or bottled orange juice there. I'm fucking moving, dude. <laughs> it, it's a great place. If you can, if you can truly understand the vibe and and not like try to pick things apart because Amsterdam's not perfect. There are dirty kind of areas. Yep. There are less maintained areas. You right. have to understand where you are and it's not in the US. And if you can do that and if you can just take it all in, dude, it is the fucking coolest place to go because everyone is nice. Everyone is cool. Like I'm I'm in the bulldog and it's elbow to elbow everybody trying to smoke their joints and there's this huge ass dude and i accidentally elbow him in the dick dude <laughs> and he looks down at me and he just starts like laughing like makes some dutch says some dutch word and just starts laughing and i thought and my wife thought i was about to get my ass <laughs> you're lucky you're was, lucky it wasn't in new york because that right. shit would have went a whole nother yeah, way <laughs> yeah because where i'm from dude i just put my elbow in you i'm probably getting one too you yeah know, but, yeah no for sure so it's it's you got to take it in but it's a super cool vibe man we've walked we've walked so many miles in the streets of amsterdam hard not to there's such yeah. a charm to it i stayed there and i stayed in a hostel for a week once out in amsterdam I yeah um in my mid-20s or so and then i went back a few years later and stayed at a campground. I, it oh, was more shit. on the cheap. It was always on the cheap, but you go into the city and I, it's you're not more than like a, a couple hundred feet away from starting to enter into the red light district right off the train. It's oh, just sure. so engaging uh, and people are, and, and the way it all spirals around, it's very intimate from the get-go. And so they've it exceeded what you would hope for in a place like that. Amsterdam's not disappointing, whether you're looking for something upscale or decadent, uh, however you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, no, I, I've been there six the times places. and yeah. never got bored. You know, I never felt like there wasn't something to do. There was always a new experience to be had. I mean, right. especially in my position going there, but I just felt like it was so different and so unique that whether you were taking a canal tour or you were going to a concert at the Melquay, you were always having something to do that, I don't know, I never got bored there. <laughs> right. Can I uh, relate it a little bit? Um, your early years when you were in Amsterdam, are we kind of, in a can as a cannabis community, as an industry now here in Maine, especially, uh, you know, with who's come up and who's started to work together, enough people have gotten to know enough people do you think there's a, a strong unity? Is this a moment of celebration for for the cannabis industry? Or, or what should we be looking towards? In in Maine? In Maine now. Oh, yeah, I think in Maine. Switching in, gears on that, like yeah, the yeah. relationships a little bit. It, yeah. it feels like a celebrated year in a sense, but, but I think a lot more people have gotten to know each other. Yeah, for sure. I think... Um, or starting to. I think anyone that's in my position or your position right now should be absolutely living in the moment. I think that right now is for sure the, the time. You know, like, we, it's the most organic and genuine and non-inflated time that we'll experience, I believe, within this. There will always be positivity and there will always be more movement, but I feel like right now and not just because of covid i feel i felt this way before covid i think that just this time period in the industry is like the most like genuine 
you know, it's the most like not diluted, you mm-hmm. know? And, and so, yeah, I think right now we should definitely not try to rush it and we should soak this up and just enjoy the fact that we have tens of thousands of patients that support us, you know, oh, yeah. that, that we have the opportunity to be grassroots like this and not have to ask some dude for money. You know, like I think the more we rush it, which I'm not saying Maine is, I think Maine's really actually held back. You think it was a good stall? Yeah, I think. It ended up being a good stall. Oh, for sure. Without this stall, if in 2016 or, you know, whatever, beginning of 2017, we had started this, it wouldn't be the same landscape. could have crashed. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like the fact that we could prepare so we could open caregiver stores so we could establish that medical kind of dominance i think that's definitely going to help you know it's it's great for the patient shit they don't have to pay that tax rate they get just as good a quality if not better for cheaper Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise i know (coughs) i personally thought i was ready in 2016 but i wasn't ready for sure i was not ready so this has been awesome the extra you know three and a half years or whatever speaking of like the timeline can you walk us a little bit through we talked about obviously your early time in 2010 you obviously were in the cannabis industry in some sense uh even before that can you mm-hmm. can you kind of walk us through the your whole timeline as far as yeah your involvement in the cannabis industry we never really got to touch upon it was more so your your background with the with with the graphics and the shop chronic but yeah how did you get into cannabis what was the progression through today. Um, so I was, uh, I had gotten back uh, in 2008 from the military and I came back and I actually uh, worked right over here on Ash Street at the Postal Service. I used, oh, no to, way. I used to deliver this block right here. Oh, wow. And That's cool. uh, so I was doing that, but like I felt this like desire in me. I knew I wanted to do more and I specifically had wanted to do something kind of veteran geared. Um, mm-hmm that was just kind of propelling me because I had just seen a lot of like my close friends going through a lot of PTSD, a lot, a lot of different stuff. So, um, I'm working at the postal service. Um, and I have to deliver up on Weber over there and I'm delivering on Weber and I keep smelling this weed, keep smelling this weed. And uh, I mean, I definitely smoked. I started smoking when I was 21. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I, at this point I was 24. And so it was like, you know, I kept smelling it and I was curious and then it just so happens a friend of mine had introduced me to this guy and this guy grew in Lewiston and it's this guy on Weber. And so I start, I'm delivering his mail and finally like I catch him out there after I've been introduced to him and he shows me the grow and I'm like, holy shit, dude, this is crazy. You know? And it was like, it was nothing. How big was it? It was the basement of his house. It was like two, probably 14 by 14 rooms or something, you know, with like a veg that was also a hallway and a boiler room. Yeah. Right. Right. It was all purpose. But it was fucking sick, dude. It was the sickest thing. It had to be a great layout. First time laying eyes on something like that. Absolutely. It was perfect, man. It was commercial, you know, I, you know, in that sense. So I was just, um, I was intrigued and it wouldn't get off my mind. And so in my mind, I created this plot that I could do that, you know, because at this point it was in mid 2009, they hadn't refined the program in like they did in late 2009. So that was illegal. But in my head, you know, I was going to sell it to veterans, you know, I was going to get them, you know, what they needed because when I was in Colorado with my friends with PTSD, I would let them hit the blunt and they stopped tripping. They stopped freaking out. They stopped like locking up, you know? So I kind of knew the power of it. 
So anyways, this guy gets me into growing illegally, you know, and wants half my crop and like the whole, you know, thing. And, um, <laughs> you know, shortly after we kind of break up and I decided to leave the postal service because, you know, I had an all right crop and, uh, you know, I'm feeling Enough all these type of ways. maybe do, yeah, take another step, like make it full time. Yeah, so. Um, post office would have taken you back. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's how I felt, too. I was like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, half of me was kind of like, maybe I will see you soon. I don't know, you know. (laughs) Something about the post office at a young age, it's not really what happens. I had a friend straight out of college who went into the post office, and he said, I should have stuck with it, but I was thinking... You have a lot of walk time. Apparently, you have a lot of time to think great to benefits yourself. Though. Don't I know you? someone that retired from the post office, and they they live good. Oh well, yeah, no, it could. But, it's like they, you know, but yeah. um, but no, that's not where your head was at. You wanted something else. It was a lot of thinking. Yeah, bigger time. picture for yeah. sure. You know, like you said, there was nothing but time to think and. You know, maybe hit the bowl in the back of the mail truck real quick before this three and a half mile loop. I was in the be- more better shape than I was when I was in the army. You know, it was just I got the shit rue Oxford Lincoln Street down here, and that was the thing. Like people would open the door of their house and they blow smoke in my face. You know, like <laughs> down on Oxford face, and they're like, "You got my check," you know. And I'm like, "Yeah, I got your check, Kathy. Like, can I hit that?" You know, like that's why I wanted to say, you know, I want to be that mailman, but. Um, you know, so my wife and I, we knew we had to grind out and I happened to get my landlord at the time to agree to let me grow in that basement. And, um, that, you know, we worked every night together in there creating the foundation of what is now capital cultivation. Um, and, you know, we worked together every night, man, and, and every day. And it was, it was hella dope that come up, but, you know, so I got though, um, on December 2nd, 2009 is when I received my first license to legally grow in the state of Maine as a caregiver. Um, and that was literally less than 30 days from when the vote to expand the medical program had gone through. So I was caregiver number 32. Timing, I was like, timing was amazing, wasn't <sighs> Number 32. Yeah, number 32. Is there know. a confirmation on who's number one? There's know. rumors, man. Everybody will tell you they're number one, but I'm very 32 is very believable. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it was. It, it was like number 32, and it was just a piece of paper. It was no hard card. It was nothing like that, and everything about the patients was just recorded on our original. But those papers. things aligning where they come together so close in time, yeah, kind of sort of was the impetus too, huh? To yeah, and I didn't realize how how pivotal that was in happening because it took me from being you know, kind of a spare bedroom, a legal grower to getting permission from my then landlord to be a legitimate caregiver. That was like the start of it all, so to speak. And yeah, I, I owe her now, you know, for, for being cool with that. <laughs> the she introduction, was, yeah. well, the opportunity to do it. Yeah, because yeah. that's a different time too. 2012, sure. you had to be... As, 2009. Uh, 2009, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I was thinking myself, 2012, yeah. 2009. Yeah, you had to hide it. You really yeah. did, and yep. and she was skeptical, but I said, listen, I'm not going to ruin the house. I'm not gonna, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just needed you to grow. You just said the right thing. <laughs> yeah, but no, that was awesome. We grew there for a while, um, and then we expanded to a small warehouse, um, you know, 5,000 square feet, about 2,000 square feet of growing, a little more. Shared it with my, um, you know, sign and graphic company and um, eventually took over that sign and graphic space when the market really kind of took off and I realized how much I could grow in that space. 
as opposing to embroider your grandmother's dish towels. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was, <laughs> yep. I was like, eh, all right, we kind of, yeah. you know. Um, but that was a super valuable relationship, uh, you know, with Mike at Bud Tico because that, to this day, is still a super viable relationship. So, yeah, yeah. He says know. he says nothing but good things about you every mm-hmm. time I see you. He loves the relationship and the opportunity that you got. The relationship you have and the opportunity you sort of guided him. Yeah. He feels as though you guided him. And so, but he's got nothing but respect and love for what you've been able to do for him and, and, and believe in him. Yeah. I think that matters a lot. Uh, it, it does. You show a lot of belief in a lot of people and you want them to understand. I think that's apparent from what you've done with who you are, but I, I suppose uh, the strength of relationships. You talk about that a lot. Yeah, 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 because that is, that is everything. A lot of people lose sight of that is, you know, like I said, there's there's only so many bridges across the river that you can burn, but you can always go back to that bridge that you didn't burn down and it's still there, you mm-hmm. know? And so, but beyond that, you know, those people that just, there are some people that reciprocate that and you have to make sure that they understand that you appreciate it, you know what I mean? And so that's what we try to do is a lot of appreciation, you know, a lot of just showing people that we care, you know, do it's you, um, are you at the store pretty much and the, and the grow, uh, kind of on more of a overlooking the grow, you've got a head cultivator. Do you not? Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, one of my good friends, uh, cause I used to be super into cars too. And I met this guy down, I lived in Tennessee after, um, I got out of the military for a short time. Um, but I met this guy down there and, uh, you know, we work together in the traditional market a little bit, you know, and then it's like, it's time to do this completely legit. And, um, you know, he moved up and he was living in my camper and just doing whatever it took to make it happen. And yeah, today he is the lead cultivator over at Capital. Um, and then I have a retail manager, um, you know, today's his birthday. Happy birthday, Adam. Uh, Happy birthday, Adam. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I saw that posted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I so, met him once before. Really nice guy. Yeah. I uh, went up to over the summer. He's a, a childhood friend. Um, he was actually my friend's little brother. He was the annoying little brother, you know, and turned out to just be a hardworking dude that believes in the dream. So he is the retail manager. Currently, my position includes, you know, working with him and Aaron and then Becky, who manages Shop Chronic. To work with those three and then progress our new store in Waterville. Um, and so I kind of gen, I'm like the GC for that store. Um, and then we're also building a rec grow next to Hive in Chelsea, which will, you know, kind of kick off capital va- cultivation into the recreational market at some point. At some point? Yeah. Do you envision that sometime in 2021 or see what happens? Is yeah, a, is I'm goal hoping by hoping my birthday in July. I'll in July? standing in there, <laughs> you know, and have it be done and operating. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, it's really the patience first because, to be honest, without these people who have dedicated themselves to our brand and the experience that we provide them, yeah. we wouldn't be able to jump into this recreational market at some point. So the patients come first. They need to be able to get what they need, and as long as they're coming through the door, they'll always come first. And that recreational thing is second to all that. It's cool. I know the pound prices are super high in rec right now. I know yep. the demand is there. Yep. That's sweet. It can wait for us because if we sacrifice the people who made us, that it's just not It's not going to work like that. So, yeah, the patients are my number one. That's why you don't see us opening a store or 
being in a super rush to get that cultivation up. Mm -hmm. There probably needs to be a little bit of coordination with those who are your friends, who are your uh, people you've worked with in the past too, kind of on a timing level for getting the, a recreational store going. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the thing. You can't you can't open something. Can't without. say I'm just gonna do it. And yeah, <laughs> no. and then they show up and you don't have anything, and what you do have has to be high priced because there's a low volume of it. So, a lot of these guys I work with, they're not super rushing into rec either. You know, mm. we know we know what's made us. You know what I mean? And yep. if the seven or five or however many stores in Maine can't keep up right now, that just tells me my store wouldn't be able to either. Mm -hmm. And I need to create something to, you know, provide for that store. So right. <clears throat> cultivation will come first for sure. Let's go.